Great. Okay, fine. So let's get so now. There's a section not quite at the very end, but very near the end. A foot again. It's called a footnote, but it's not really a footnote. It's a comment. I think it's probably the best way to call it a hagar in Hebrew. A comment. Ki ikaradam. Now remember what he said in the fifth chapter is that the human being, in essence, or at least the collective souls of humanity, which is sometimes called Adam and sometimes called Yisrael, which we as a Jewish people right now have taken on the full persona of, stretches from the highest heights in the inner worlds all the way downwards. And to the extent all of that is wired into us. Okay? Ki Adam, now the footnote says, and he spoke about the idea that on uh, in the first chapter of the Yechazkel, of the Novi Ezekiel, the Yechazkel, right? Uh, the, the first chapter created this image of what we call the Maisem Merkava, the work of the chariot, as the prophet goes deeper and deeper and deeper into the inner workings of the heavens, and he sees these various mysterious visions, and then he sees this throne, and he sees something human-looking, like an Adam, on the throne. And that, of course, makes this chapter a very dangerous chapter, because it could easily be misunderstood as idolatrous, Right, so God has some figure like a human being. And of course, we understand from this, the fact that he's began the book by talking about in the image of God, that, that so, the, so the, clearly it doesn't mean anything physically like a human being, but he's saying there is a structure to the will of God, if you like. And that structure, that kind of soul-like vision of all of creation that sits above the throne of glory, that itself has an interrelationship apart, and when it's translated through the different layers of existence all the way down into the physical, the physical genetic structure of the human being produces organs, each of which represents one of those inner structures, and put them together physically and spatially, and it, it looks like the human being. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. It's just a bit abstract, so I'm saying that... So, okay, let me make it a bit less abstract. Let's suppose that at the core of creation, I'm now elaborating slightly more than he said in the text, there is a program that Hashem created called how to like visualize things and contextualize things. Okay. And then let's say below that is a program of communication. And below that are two programs of action. One of which is called chesed, just loving kindness. And one of which is restraint. So just like the first creates a context, so we have eyes at the top of our uh, face, if you like. Then you have the communication, so we have a mouth. Then you have the pattern. Based on those two, come they're integrated, so we have a neck. Then they spread out into two uh, patterns of action, so we have two arms. One is chesed, is loving kindness. One is holding back. So our right hand, which represents loving kindness, will do charitable acts with it, many acts with and it's stronger usually than the left hand, which holds back the right. So these are, so I'm giving you examples of how patterns at creation can in fact manifest themselves. And when they're kind of translated down through the world and eventually crystallize into the physical world, we also have a mental framework of that pattern, but we also have a physical translation into the body of the human being. So, it, so if you would study the will of God, and break it into different, if you like, patterns or attributes or whatever it is, you would end up with something that if you tried to draw it out spatially, would look a bit like a human being. Uh, right hand is chesed, left hand is kibur. The practical ramification is a posse that says, 
from my own flesh, I can see the divine. Well, so one way of understanding is it gives us a way of connecting to and relating to all these things. Because we can look at ourselves and study our interrelationships and understand the pattern that if we abstract, it goes much, much, much higher. For example, we have an emotion of love. It helps us relate to the pattern Hashem uses called Ahava. We have an emotion of anger. It helps us relate. It's not the same as Hashem's because it controls us, whereas Hashem's doesn't. But it gets us to understand that when Hashem deploys an attribute of strict justice, it could have contain a component of if something is so bad, it should be destroyed. Just like when we're angry, we feel something should be destroyed. So it helps us to relate to things. That's point number one. But what the Nefesh Chaim is bringing out is point number two, is it means that we are wired into all of creation. And when we do an act with our right hand, like certain mitzvot you meant to do, the mitzvot you meant to do it with the right hand, it plugs in and ignites and illuminates creation all the way up. And when we do something with our eyes, it plugs into the power of creation all the way up and so on. Yeah, yeah, it is. You're right. Okay, now he says, Because the essence of the human is always planted above them in the level of their soul. Now this is an unbelievable piece. For this reason, the body is called a shoe. In other words, just like the human body, only the very bottom of it goes into the shoe. So too, the human soul is like a spiritual, the body is like a copy of the soul. The soul also has a very high part, let's say, the equivalent of its head and face. Then the soul has the equivalent of its arms and has all this body. And the very bottom of the soul, the soul of the soul, right? the soul of the feet, <laughs> right? the, the bottom of the soul enters into the body like the bottom of the body enters into the shoe. The body. If you imagine you drew a soul and it looked like a human being, how much of that soul enters into the physical human being? The equivalent of its foot. Yeah. That's what I meant by the, the soul of the soul of the play on words, uh, the soul of the foot of the soul. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Bad joke. Yeah, whatever. Bad pun. Anyway, so yeah. So, yes. That's in the annotation. Yes, yes, yes. The anno What's that? Oh, it's from Chaim Evolajan himself. He writes an annotation on his own text because he's driving a general point across the different chapters. And these elaborations help you really understand how this insight sheds light on lots of other things, but it's not essential to get the core movement of the chapters. It deepens our understanding of them. It's not essential for them. Okay. Over there, with this insight, um, yeah, let me just give you a few, a few points, by the way. You'll see, um, you'll see amazing things. The human body is straight, but it twists away at the foot. So imagine you're standing inside the human body, let's say around the ankle, and you look up and you look all the way, you will see all the way up to the head, right? But if you're standing at the toe and you look back, you won't see all the way up. So the soul, if you like, goes all the way straight up to the top of the soul. 
but the bit that enters the body is a little bit bent away. It doesn't, if you look back, you don't see all that soul. And that's why in the Garden of Eden in Gan Eden, at the end of the story, it says, uh, when, when Hashem tells the woman and the snakes, the talk, talks the snake and says, um, you, there'll be enmity from now onwards between you, i.e. the force of evil, the drives of evil, and the woman, between your children and her children. Who is Shufrena Rosh? He, the, meaning, the human being, will smite. Now, normally translation is smite your head and you will smite his heel. But that's not what the Pasuk says. It says he will smite or dominate the head and you, the snake, will dominate the heel. Meaning the human soul going from the equivalent of the head of the soul downwards will be completely in the hands of the human. But the serpent will rule over the bit that goes from the bottom, the heel area. In other words, the part that enters into the body. If we, so the extent to which we think with our body is the extent to which even the spiritual dynamics of it are under the rule of the serpent or under the influence of the serpent. For us to really get out of it, we have to tie ourselves to the part of the soul that is above the body. And he'll tell you later on in this book how to do it in the Sefer. Okay, but now you'll see. So that's why the snake attacks the heel. You see the meaning, it attacks the part of the body that's twisted away. This is also why Yaakov, when he comes out, he's holding the heel of Esau. Because that's the bit that breaks. That's the bit where the disconnect from the soul happens, if you like. This is why, you know, when we do Kedusha, we stand on our tiptoes like an angel. Suddenly we can see all the way up. Suddenly there's no bend anymore. You see? So all of these. Anyway, let's keep going inside here. These are just some of the amazing, amazing uh, insights. Okay. Over there, you've unbattered so many other things. Like if, if a brother, you know, if, if a woman dies, if a man dies childless, so his brother is meant to step into, literally into his shoes and replace him. That's this called Yibum. If he refuses to, if she wants to go ahead, but he refuses because he doesn't want to be a surrogate for his brother, then she takes a shoe and spits next as if she's saying you're refusing, you're leaving his body now to die. But you see, again, the shoe symbolizes the body and fitting into the shoe. You see what goes on? There's many, many, many deep ideas that once you understand this, you'll see many things in, in, in Torah. And this makes, you know, and it's just like one little line here in the Nefesh Haim, And he, op he opens the universe up for you. Okay. So basically, the bottom line is only a small part of the soul enters the body, equivalent to the foot of the soul enters it. But actually the soul itself goes all the way higher, higher, higher through all the universes and worlds and spiritual dimensions all the way to the top, over to the will of God itself. Or at least above the, above the world of what's called the throne, the, the place where you can see God's glory. And here you can understand the saying of the rabbis in the Medrash, Bereshus Rabbah, Right? That there's a Medrash that says when Hashem created the human being, it was to avoid jealousy in creation. Why? Because on the first day of creation, God creates the spiritual realm, heaven, and the physical realm, earth. The second day, it's a creation that belongs more to the upper world. The third day, plant life on the lower world. Up, down. Next day comes the sun and moon. Again, in the physical universe, they're part of the universe, but in the 
mind of creation they represent something if, if something looks high from earth it means it represents something in the spiritual world the next day animals on earth so it's always going up and down up and down up and down and then you get to so day one is both up and upper and lower worlds spiritual and physical day two is a spiritual creation day three is a physical creation day four is a spiritual creation day five is a physical creation now on day six what is it going to be if it's a physical creation there's an imbalance if it's a spiritual creation there's an imbalance so it creates something as both he came to create the human. says, If I just create him as a spiritual being, there's no peace in the world. If I create him for the lower worlds, also no peace in the world. I'll create him from the highest heights and from the lowest low. So that's why the verse then says he's created dust from the ground. And he breathes into him the soul of life. Right now, we've already seen that pasuk, the way the Nefesh Chaim says, and man became not the living, not man had within him a living soul, but man then became the living soul of all of existence. But to become that living soul, he has what it means, whatever the breath of God means, which he'll explain in later chapters. Again, a lot of these ideas, he's just giving you a little flash, and then later he'll, he'll, he'll develop it. Um, but that's what's going on. Now, Velechaira, and says says the Nefesh Chaim, but what are you talking about? You could say this. Hello, Atat is Gabar Kino Yosef. There should be more jealousy. Yosef Misha Misha Imayya Bara Yosef Minatotayin Lad. Just create man in the lower worlds. Shatish Bechelik. But now at least the ain't who's going to be jealous? Inanimate objects. Who's the only beings that would be jealous if we were created in the lower worlds? The upper worlds. The upper worlds are angels. They won't be jealous. If, on the contrary, if they're the only conscious being in the upper worlds, why would they be jealous? Now the humans also with them, we should be even more jealous. We're down below. We're based below. We're really in the lower world, but we've also got a part of the upper world. We're misunderstanding. We're listening to the Madrash with ears that are too crude. We're missing the real depth over here. That if a human really develops themselves properly, we are not fundamentally a physical being. We are in essence a being planted in the greatest heights. We really belong to the highest, highest, highest heights. This is the secret of why it's very hard in this world to be fully happy and satisfied with just physical goods. Because we don't really belong to this world in that sense. You see, if you try to, like a human being searching for the infinite, because we're tied to the infinite. So we ask ourselves, we don't know that. We're subconsciously driven. That's what animals can eat, go to sleep and be happy. A human can't. A human's driven. I need to build a bigger house and have more of a car and go on more holidays and watch more films and do more this and more that and more and more and more and more. Why? Because we've got this soul inside us saying, no, 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 this is not it. No, 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 this is not it. No, 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 it's not it. And so then you think, well, what is it? Is making money it? Let me get hundreds of millions and billions and trillions. Is having power it? Let me rise to the top. Is changing the world it? Let me make a social movement. It's all because we have this unsatisfiable drive that's ultimately looking to be anchored in the deepest roots of God's will. That's the only place where we really find ourselves. And we have it. And it's a very deep and real part of who we are. So, again, how do we get there? He's going to discuss all of this in the Nefesh Chaim. So a lot of the ideas he's giving us are like, whoa, and, and then it's like, but how do, but don't worry. He's giving little, he, that's this the way he teaches material. Give a little bit of a shot and then pull it back. 
little bit revealed, pull it back. Uh, and, and everything he's revealing is hiding enormous amounts. This is always how it's done. Um, okay. For Oliver Derek Alpha Revised Olamas and this incredible high. Sorry, was, was Ethan, were you saying something? No, okay. Okay. So, so coming from this great, tremendous height, we come down, 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 down through all the layers and layers and layers and layers of reality. Um, he says the millions of layers of reality, tens of millions of layers of reality. Until the lowest part of us, actually enters into this homo sapien body with all its genes and a little bit of a mind that can be a portal to higher things, but only a small amount are we actually conscious of. He quotes the pasuk, the verse in, in Devarim, right near the end of the Torah, where uh, a, a portion of God is his people, and Yaakov, Jacob, is the rope of his inheritance. What does it mean, the rope? Because a rope, you can see a bit of rope down here, and you don't have a clue how high it's tied up above. You can only be conscious of the little bit that enters your vision or enters the room, but you'd have no clue about stuff this way. So we can only be conscious of what we're conscious of. We're not conscious of the fact, but something way above could be yanking us and pulling us all the time and, and trying to lift us. We wouldn't, right. So now we're learning in here how far high it goes, but even that we have no, you know, sense of, yeah, yeah. But this is the essence of who we are. It's really our essence tugging upon us. Um, okay. It literally attaches to the four-letter name of God. The four-letter name of God is, a, well, this again, we have to be very careful how we're speaking here, but it really, in essence, is God's will. It's not God's essence, it's God's will. And in, within God's will is the rope that comes all the way down, meaning that we are pulled by, attached by, and completely connected to God's will. And the root of the root of the root of our being is God's will, as we would expect, because the root of everything in the world is God's will, except that we have an almost conscious sense of it. We have it like a subconscious, but not, although it's very, 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 very distant from us, it impacts us. And when we attach to it, it, it lifts us in a, in a way that we feel, and when we detach from it, we feel torn. We feel something's, you know, lift pulling us in a way that we don't want to be pulled. And we get depressed and angry and frustrated and feeling, where is my life going? I'm trying to go here. Nothing's here. And I feel like I'm being pulled backwards and forwards, right? And in essence, it's the soul. If you like saying one second, you're, in, you're, you're connected to infinity. Why are you trading it for a yacht or for a hundred million or for power or for, or for temptation for five minutes? Like, well, what are you doing, right? What are you doing? So that's it. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Completely. It's saying you're in this world to really bring the will of the highest, greatest, all the light that Hashem wants shining in this world. You're here. This is what we're here for. Right? All the rest is, is, all the rest might be very useful, but if you then see everything else as the means and try and cut off the rope, the rope won't let you cut off so easily. And it will make life, and, and the rope will make life difficult and frustrating because it wants to pull you back to what you could be. You don't want to walk out of this world and go, I was in this world to eternity and infinity and I traded it for some gravel. I, you know, I worked in a, a, a whatever, I say, and then, oh. Yeah. It pulls you back on the lane, yeah. The car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And in our mind, it feels like emptiness. It feels like we're cutting ourselves off from something and we don't know what it is. Now, um, okay, let's keep going a little bit more. Uh, so he got all the way up. And all of our actions are meant to awaken that higher rope. He could pull it a little bit from below. So from the foot, we can wiggle it and it pulls the head, if you like. And it can awaken God's will and flow positive energy all the way through creation and bring creation close to the perfection. In other words, we, we, when we try to daven to Hashem, if we're sincere and proper, even if we do mitzvahs, anything we're doing that ignites that connection is literally shaking the rope that is actually touching the highest heavens. The will of God. The Dasl and Novan Nokel and now this uh, that it's you can relatively easily grasp this concept. Okay, now he's referring to a secret called the Adam Elion, the higher human. This is already way beyond what we can even talk about, even at the level we're talking about here, and even he puts it in brackets. There's an idea that the will of the will of God, if you like, get to the pure will, it's a vision of a human. Okay, because God's will is humanity, but it's very, very deep. It's comprised of different permutations of God's name, different lights and revelation. But let's just say like this, the will of the will of God, the will, the core thing of creation is humanity in its perfected state. Let's put it that way. Before, before the breakdown, before the... Yeah, go on. Because the point of a human is a human is a being who has a sense of his own self. A human is the partner with God in creation. And through that partnership, the human earns a relationship with the creator of the universe. So the vision of a human is the vision of something that lies, that actually can sense its own self. It lies somewhere on the balance between God's will, which is reality, and non-existence, which is illusion. And that poised balance creates the possibility of there being no light of God there and the human completes himself itself ourselves right by bringing the light of God in so the human is a being who has to finish the job of, of creation finish the job of, of perfection and in doing so the reward and that is done through bringing the light of God back in i.e choosing the relationship with God and the reward is we are then full of the light of God and the relationship with God Exactly. The work is the reward. The Ramchal, Rabbi Moshe Chaim says this in the, in the beginning of the Astavunas. The work and the reward are the same thing. That's why we say schar mitzvah mitzvah. The reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah. The reward of the connection to God, which is our work, is the connection to God. The reward of bringing God's light into our minds and souls in this world is to have God's light in our mind and soul in the world, basically. That's, that's what it is. So we are here to perfect the world. And the perfection of the world includes the perfection of self. And it includes bringing God's light where it's absent. And the reward is to have God's light where it's absent. The infinite love and light of God. Okay, let's just do a few more minutes and then we'll stop here for today, maybe. Okay, let's finish the paragraph. Alzes, so yes, he quotes the Idra Rabbi, quotes the Posse, Yitz Hashem and Akimas Adam, how Hashem God formed Adam. Alzeida Adam Elion is all based on this inner thing. Also called Adam Vasiem Vachal Lama. He quotes Al Zayari, quoting over here um, that why why do you have to do this right? The Chol Da Lama. What's the purpose of all this? 
in order to bring out and to bring up base sasim to stima at soif kol right? The secret things still the most what we're trying to reveal the deep secret at soif kol stima. That the basic secret is that the human being is attached to the highest world, to the lowest world. All, that's what is breathed into the human. That's how the man becomes the secret, the soul of life. This, in order to um, be impacted and to bring within all the rectifications um basically to bring the neshama the soul from one level to the ne- another level all the way down at soviet khaldar into the lowest level begin in order that, that soul that rests and is fully manifest above now shines all the way down into the lowest depths of the world it shines even into the brain of a human that is that is genetically like uh, got bits of reptile in and bits of bird in and bits of mammal in and bits of this and bits of that. And God's light comes and ignites and lights up the whole thing. And in the world where full of cruelty and hatred, and God's light comes and shines the whole thing. It's us who are bringing that down. That's because we're tied up there and we can start to pull and pull and pull more and more and more until eventually we pull and pull and pull and more and more of that light comes down, 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 down. And we pull it, pull it, pull it till eventually the whole thing is we've either you could say we've climbed up to it or it's come down to here it's the same thing the gap has shrunk and now god's light illuminates everything that's another way of saying it exactly exactly yeah amazing so with that we're ready for the to enter the sixth chapter which is one of the big long chapters amazing these things are unbelievable okay